Welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, visit PCAPainted.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all of you non-members out there, sign up for a free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the App Store and Google Play. This episode is brought to you by Nice Job, Painter Marketing Pros, and APC. Welcome to Paint Ed. My name is Torlando. I am your host today. Uh, thank you for listening. Really, really excited for today's show. It's a it's a topic that um, you know I've I've committed some pretty uh, pretty serious thought and experimentation to. I've hit some roadblocks with it in the past. I've made mistakes. I've had to uh, seek forgiveness for those mistakes. And um, I think that you guys are really going to enjoy the show. We're talking about uh, performance pay, hourly pay versus piece rate. Uh, really, really interesting topic. I first came across this topic several years ago um, in one of the uh, one of the groups, Business Brush Group. Um, we were talking about different ways to incentivize work, and I think that this conversation is truly at the heart of the employee versus sub model. Um, and boy, is that a a conversation. Boy, is that a debate. I, I've made my, my position pretty clear that I'm pro-employee. Um, you know, I think that with subcontractors, the trick is that you're pushing a lot of the business responsibility onto the hands of the workers. And that, um, you know, if you don't have time to deal with their taxes and their uh, payroll expenses, then I, they certainly don't. And so... Um, but, the, but what I understand and, and why I've used subcontractor model in the past is because it really helps your margins. And so, you know, with, with subcontract work, they give you a fixed price. It's essentially a percentage of the job, which is very similar to piece rate. Um, and that protects your margins. And ideally, there's less handholding, but there are problems. When you look historically at where hourly pay came from, um, it was really a, an effort to combat the problems that arose from piece rate. Uh, piece rate pay being um, you're going to pay the person for accomplishing a certain amount of work. Think of think of like an old um, an old sawmill or something like that, and and you're going to pay that person uh, you know ten cents for every plank that they saw, right? And and however many they saw in an hour that's how much they make right and the inherent problems of that are of course quality Um, you get people cutting corners you get people um, you know just rushing things Uh, safety is a problem but then if they uh, if they if they're not that productive or the price of uh, of the piece just makes it impossible to make a living wage then all of a sudden the worker is uh, is essentially being exploited for their for their labor. So so it was very problematic uh, back in the day. Uh, I think with subcontract work we carried those problems uh, forward. Um, on the other hand, hourly uh, is tricky because 
you're essentially just rewarding the person to show up. Doesn't really matter how much they produce, what the quality is, you're, you're paying for their time. And the more time that they work, the more money that they make. But in order to ensure quality and in order to ensure speed, you have to put in place managers that are kind of hounding them. And so often that creates kind of a, uh, a work environment where, um, you know, people are just kind of cogs in a system and, um, you know, you're, you're kind of cracking the whip to get them to, to produce. So both systems have their deep-seated problems. And I'm bringing on Michael Fortenberry with ProTiv, um, CEO and co-founder of ProTiv, um, and also the senior VP at Perennial Empire Commercial Painting, which is a 100-plus people painting company in New York, um, to talk about how they have solved this with their unique um, software solution and how you can use performance pay to uh, solve some of these issues. I'm really excited for this conversation, if you can't tell. Uh, before we jump into the interview, uh, I want to let you know that this show and other episodes can be found on PCA Overdrive, where you can get 500 hours of video content. It is $5.99 a month for non-members. It's free with your PCA membership. Just go to the PCA Paint Ed uh, org to download it or find it on the app. Um, also, if you're interested in this topic in particular, and you're interested in production and how to get people to, to really work well, and, and, uh, and I'll tell you what, Peace Rate Systems works really well with my book, uh, Sprint, and um, I recommend picking it up. Go ahead and get Sprint on Amazon.com. Just search for my name, Torlando, and you can pick it up. Um, PCA Expo registration still open February 22nd through the 24th. Come on down to Albuquerque, uh, hang out with some of the best painting contractors in the industry. Uh, all right, that, that's those are my announcements. They're my, they're my usual announcements. You've heard them a million times. Let's just get on with the show, man. I'm so excited to bring on Michael Fortenberry. Let's bring him on to the show. Hey, Michael, welcome to Paint Ed. Tolanda, how are you? Look what I got right here. Hey, so, you got right the here, book. Right on my desk right here. <laughs> yep, to read through, recommend it. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, but you can pump it up a little bit more than that. Yeah. How'd you like that book? <laughs> so it's, it's, look, going through it, obviously you lean heavily into some really important things. I mean, the kind of people you hire, right? There's some elements in there of you don't hire the right core uh, characters in the, in the people you are bringing to your team you solve a huge number of your problems. And the other part is the communication structure you put in place with Sprint about how you move information yeah. from the from the doers, right, up to, you know, the people in the office so that we can make better choices and support them because they've got to go execute and deliver on the product. But a lot of times that information doesn't flow up, and I think Sprint really enforces a process of information moving through an organization, a culture of that. I thought those are really powerful pieces to what you guys built. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. I, I I put you on the spot for that review, but I, pre- I appreciate you. Yeah, no worries, no worries. Testing if you yeah. actually read it, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, it was on it. I was on it. I was uh, uh, again on the phone. It's funny with a development group out of India this morning. Software developers who use Sprint all the time and actually mm-hmm. showed the book to them and told them, "Look, you guys aren't the only ones. You can run a painting company using this." And yeah, uh, so I thought that was great. 
Yeah, that's awesome. So, um, so your your history, you got started, you know, in painting a number of years ago with your your company, Perennial Empire, uh, painting good sized painting company out there in New York. Um, not a lot of painting companies uh, have have a hundred people on on uh, on staff. Um, you guys have done it, and from what you were telling me, um, just purely out of necessity, you had to build some of your own softwares and systems to solve some of the problems. Tell me a little bit about that um, history and process. Great question. There's a point I think every company where we want to move past being doing the work right in our own shadow, right? Where I don't want to be at the job site person. I want somebody else to do that job. In fact, another thing is in your book, that story of the first job you don't do where you're not personally there. It's a scary yeah. moment. And for us, we grew pretty quickly. And so all of a sudden we weren't at the jobs anymore and awareness, visibility to what was happening was critical. The nature of our work we do, we may start 50, 60 projects a week because there's a lot of apartment uh, renovation, mm -hmm. uh, turnover type painting. So that high volume, small, you know, three day to two week projects, there weren't a lot of tools out there that facilitated the type of work we were doing. So we stepped off that road of let's go build some tech to support us operationally. We built a little yeah. more, a little more. All of a sudden, you've got a development team alongside your painting company. Right. At the right, same right. time, like a lot of the, a lot of painting companies, we're often at the end of the process and the construction, right? So they're already out of time. They're out of money. And they're, you know, right. harping us to, hey, you guys need to hurry up and get done. And so for, for schedule adherence and multifamily renovation was critical. We Someone's moving into this apartment. I need to be done on time. And in particular, we had carpentry team as well and I remember the carpenters were take them about I think we were averaging around 10 hours to get a kitchen up right to pull the cabinets off get the kitchens up you know mm -hmm. etc it's about 10 hours of labor and we really needed to be done in one day I, I really needed the guys to start in the morning be done at the end of the day eight hours 40 bucks right. an hour I've got 10 hours it means I have 400 in labor was my idea of I'm like, Bob, can you just finish this in eight hours? I'll pay the full $400. Like, just, yeah. I need it done sooner. And it turns out Bob can actually do it in about six and a half hours when he is probably <laughs> also, I'm like, what the heck? You know, come on, guys. Yeah. This is crazy, you know? And so, thus started this concept of how do we pay people based on what they get done instead of just by the hour? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So now you open a little different can of worms. It's one thing to do that with a couple of people on small jobs, another thing to do that with 30, 40, 50, 60, 80 crew members out in the field, different teams, different trades. So we needed tools to help manage that. And our lawyers are telling us, make sure this is legally compliant over time, minimum wage, hourly rates, all the rules, especially here in New York, California, complicated yeah. labor laws. Make sure you get it right. So more into the software, more into the software. About a year ago, we realized we were really onto something. The way we mm. were compensating our workers based on how they were producing was they, the team loved it. It built a great company culture around productivity and quality that was critical. And we had peers and friends in the industry who were starting to say, hey, how do you guys do this? We're, one of our, we hired a guy from you guys. He's telling us all about this way he gets paid. So we gave it to some other people to try out over the summer. Turns out it worked really well for them. And so thus, Protiv was born as a standalone company. And we're mm. 
started selling in August. We're already in 20 states. And nice. it's really kind of taken off. Um, yeah. You know, what What you mentioned here with, you know, with your guy that could, you know, was taking 10 hours, turns out he could, you know, do it in, in six and a half. Um, it reminds me of, of Parkinson's law, which I, which I talk about a lot in, uh, in my classes, which is that the amount of work expands to the amount of time given for it. And, and so the, the idea is, uh, you know, the example that I always give is that if I go to the, if I go to the gas station or if I go to the store and I grab one of those little, you know, snack size packs of uh, Doritos, I'm going to eat the whole bag, right? But if I go to the gas station, I get a slightly bigger grab bag, I'm going to eat that whole bag, right? <laughs> and then if I go to the store and grab a regular bag, I might eat that whole thing because I have no self-control. <laughs> and, and I, you know, what's there is what I consume. And, and so if you, yes. if you give people a certain amount of time to do the work, uh, then, then they'll take that whole time. But yes. the trick, what I've noticed is that, um, you know, where, where speed increases, quality has the potential to suffer. Mm -hmm. And so depending yes. on the skill level of that worker, um, you know, they may or may not, that you might, you, you probably can't, you know, you said you're one guy, yeah, he could do it in six, but maybe a, a guy who has less experience than him uh, you don't want them to do it in six hours because because it'll be yes. it'll be a mess. And so yeah, how? Yeah, you cut too many corners. Yeah. So yeah. so how do we create a, a system that is going to accommodate the the skill the difference in skill level uh, matched with the difference in you know production speed? Uh, that seems like a hard uh, one to solve. It is the first thing to understand is that you when you implement a program, whether you're doing it on your own or do something like what we built, where you're going to reward people when they finish the job ahead of schedule, the first rule is that if they don't do it right, they're going back to fix it. And anything that they have earned by finishing it ahead of schedule is paying effectively for them to go back. We've actually found our quality levels go up on this model because the workers take to heart that doing it right the first time is the key to making more money. I mean, you know, if when we bid jobs, just like you guys, most of the mm -hmm. folks listening there, we don't really bid to do this twice, right? Our pricing no. is yeah. not that aggressive, right? We can't, I can't go and say, look, I'm planning on doing 20% of this work two times. That probably right. just broke even the minute I sent someone back. And if I have to go back twice, I'm probably losing money. I mean, it's just, Rework is the bane of our industry. If we could just get it done yeah. right the first time on schedule, our profit margins are so much better. Now, the trick is to get the worker to see it through that lens. Actually, I have a guy on video. Uh, it's pretty funny. His um, name's Frank, and he was talking. I was interviewing a worker about this, and he said, you know, since I went to ProPay, my the way that I work has changed. It changed my whole approach to quality because I can't afford to go back and do it twice. It costs me too much money. Right. It's a worker right. saying that about the way they get paid, who has a right. Right. hourly rate, but they personally begin to be invested in doing it right. Now, this, that's the first part. Second yeah. part is not every worker produces, mostly sometimes because of their skill level, sometimes because of their enthusiasm and motivation, at the same rate. 
So how do you account for that? We account for it through the assignment of who you pick to a team. You can adjust the amount that team is going to be paid based on how long you're expecting that team to take them. So if a job with your best people, you expect to take 10 hours, they make $40 an hour. You might have $400 in that job. That's what that team makes. You might have a different job. They're making $30 an hour. They're more junior people. You might have 15 hours or 12 hours in that job. In the end, what the worker sees is a amount of money that should be relative to their skill level and Mm -hmm. relative to a the target for your company based on what you expect the job to complete. You've got a goal. When you did this job, you have some amount of a plan. You use a points-based system, I believe, in your company. Others hourly, you know, what they expect. Some people go out with a piece of paper and say, I think I can do this in, you know, a day. Everybody's got their own. It's X number of square feet. And, you know, I know I can, Lynn Fife, he's got X number of square feet per hour for a journeyman and an apprentice and a master. He's got X number of cents per brushstroke is what one has. Right. So so, so you get this. So everybody's got their own model. In the end, what you have somewhere in your environment is a number. It's a number yep. that we translate to, based on the hourly rate, et cetera, to a number of hours. How right. long does this person or this team have to finish that job? And can they get it done ahead of schedule? They're not, sometimes people crush numbers. Sometimes they go over job site conditions. Sometimes it's not their fault. The goal is to create an environment where they want to finish it sooner, where they want to stay yeah. on schedule. And yeah. that's the first step. Yeah, I think, you know, what's what's working for me and, and what you're talking about is, um, you know, I mean, I just have an incredible respect for the worker and for the mm-hmm. fact that uh, they they work hard for the money and they got to put food on their table. And, you know, for a lot of reasons, you know, sometimes you're getting jobs at a lower rate just because, you know, your market, you know, sometimes your market yes. dictates that. Uh, you know, there are a lot of folks online who who talk a real big game about being able to charge whatever they want. Not every market is that is, is that way, and not every type of house that you're painting or type of building that you're painting, um, you're not always going to be competitive by you know uh, charging enough to do it twice um, as much as you want to. And so sometimes your your margins, depending on that job, can be a little slim. And, you know, like I mentioned in the intro, if we're going with a traditional uh, piece rate or we're doing a percentage of the, the job and we're paying them as subs, you know, there, there's so little room for error um, that, uh, you know, you're just not going to get what you need and they're not going to get what they need. So I, I have a deep respect for the, for the worker um, and their ability to make a living and take care of their house. What I or take care of their home, um, what, what's resonating is that you have kind of this safety net for them, which is the hourly wage. It, yes. the, that base pay, it covers the, your butt legally, you know, from a legal standpoint. Um, and it says to them, yeah, if things go sideways, which they often do, whether it's your fault or not, uh, you know, you're at least going to make this amount of money, right? So are you saying construction has problems sometimes? Um, yeah. <laughs> Every now and then. I've never heard of such a thing. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. Makes no sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, so, so how, do you, um, how do you determine what a good base pay is? You know, because even oh. there, I feel like you can, uh, 
you could lose your shirt um, or you could also just not be competitive enough to, to yes. get them. You know, like I can't I can't you're just gonna, say, well, you're going to make minimum wage, but don't worry. Your your bonus pay is going to make it so that you make like 30 an hour. You know, like that doesn't always work. So how do we go about setting right. up a, a base pay? You, you're you're going to like this. So first of all, when we I, I guess I'll start with where we launched this out. We originally built this in our own company with a bit of a carrot and a stick where the team would begin to make less money if they didn't finish on time. We took mm. that out. We don't do that mm. anymore. And there, there was a couple of reasons. One is the workers, when we had quality and safety problems, it was the fear of loss. When they mm. thought they were going to make less, they can't go home to mom and say, sorry, dear, I made $18 instead of 20 this week. That's not going to fly. So yeah. they 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 would get afraid and they would cut corners. Mm. Killed that. We actually solved almost all the quality safety issues. All that stuff went away with the fact it's a carrot-based system. It's, it's a rewards-based. It's an incentive. The second mm. thing is when we launched this with customers, we almost universally encouraged them to do not change the base rate of your workers. If they make $25 now, today they still make $25 an hour this is an opportunity for them to both parties to symbiotically lift each other up I want to pay my team more Bob comes in the office and says I need to make another dollar an hour I want to give Bob another dollar an hour I want to help him out he's a good guy but Bob I need you to get more done right yeah that, that right. metaphor Bob is I, if you will help me I will help you there is money in the industry structures our pricing yes. if we'll get it done right on time do it right the first time i can afford to pay you more that's what we're sharing and we're effectively sharing that with the workers i can protect my profit margin protect my execution and give back to the people who actually create the value that we provide to our customers right that right putting the worker first in your mindset is I, I swear it's actually half the battle to not just getting our program right but just running a good business we yeah. care about them you put them first you reward them for doing the right thing and do it in a transparent way i don't know how you see this but we tend to share a lot of details with our workers about our numbers one you got to know your numbers but two yeah talk to them about it. Here's our margin. Here's what we're trying to do. Here's the number of hours we've got into this job, guys. Here's our material costs. Here's what we're trying to accomplish this this week, this job, this quarter, this year. When you share that and everybody's kind of bought into it a bit, they understand how their behavior impacts their income and how their right. their behavior impacts the company. Now, if I give out you know, a raise, I'm based on, wow, you guys are really raising the bar. Totally. Second part, third part. Can we pause real quick? Up. Yeah, sure thing. Okay, go ahead you with know, your second point. Yeah, so you know, I think the other part is, am I paying someone the right rate? One of the cool things about lining up productivity with comp is that reporting, once you have a little bit of data, can actually tell you, is someone producing at the rate at which I did the job? So when, when you finish and you've paid it out, you can look at the cost at an employee over time and say, if they're not earning in our world some level of a bonus sometime, it means that they either produce exactly at the rate at which I did, or they're actually mm -hmm. probably overpaid 
for what they produce relative to how I price the job. And right. we know based on skill levels of workers, kind of where they should come in on those numbers, but there's a real clarity that comes from the conversation with a worker about a raise when I can look at their productivity score over time and, and see, you know, you actually produce less than the rate at which I pay you. That's a harder mm. reason to ask for a raise. And when you, that, yeah. that data comes from a, a recurring experience of tracking productivity and compensation linked to it. Right, 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 right. So when you're going into a job and you're uh, telling your workers, okay, this is, you know, how much production there is, what does that, what does that look like? Because it's one thing to, you know, institute this thing and say, okay, well, yeah, you did really good and you happen to create this bonus, but they have to they have to know what that means. And, and you know, the, the reason, part of the reason why I use my point system is because it does quantify the amount of production there in a way that they can really see, like they can track that productivity. I'm curious how you guys are going about that. So I think there's two elements to this. One is how does that worker understand what they personally should produce on a daily basis or within that part of the project that they're working on. I don't know that Protiv is designed to solve that part of it. I think there are elements to the way that in your case with the sprint structures is informing upon the team, that output that we're looking for in that particular you know, sprint, you know, what, mm -hmm. what should they produce in a given day? I think what we're doing is giving a Protiv's approach is simply giving them the incentive of why what they produce should matter to them. So yeah. it's one thing to know what you should produce, which I think is what you guys are tackling with that, with your point structure, et cetera. Yeah, right. The, and you, then I think you translate that over to comp as well. But then there's, right. in our world, it's, it is starting with, if I want to motivate you to produce at that level or better, I want to motivate yeah. you to take the time to learn a new skill so you can produce better. I want to motivate you to spend a little bit more time on, your quality so you don't have to go back that creating the motivations for them to perform at whatever target level they should or better and yeah. it creates that financial incentive to deliver upon that so i think they're i'm not sure that we're solving for the one part we're solving for the second right and so what it what it sounds like is that at least by knowing how much you know what the slice of the pie is for that particular job um, yes. that they're able to kind of say, okay, well, if I do this job in, in this many hours, then I can earn, you know, this much more. Whereas if I, you know, produce at, at a slower rate, I'm just merely, uh, hitting my, yeah. you know, my hourly rate, which, you know, might as well feel like a break even for them. Right. Break even is a good way to look at it. And look, some jobs come in that way. That's just, you know, yeah. the nature of sometimes their they're bid's spot on. Sometimes their problem comes up and they go over. It's construction. What yeah. we want to do is create that incentive for them to not waste time and do it right the first time. But right. it's not rushing. It's don't waste time. I personally am big on organized job site. Like, if yeah. you keep your job site organized, clean, keep your tools clean, take care of your equipment be methodical about the way you work, you probably solve a ton of your productivity issues right there. And then oh, yeah, you do it right yeah. the first like time. Stairs are, probably stairs are the, the most uh, uh, biggest time wasters. Like you got your tools downstairs. 
and you're going downstairs every you know every five minutes to grab something and and that's you know you're if you're not if you're not putting paint on the wall you're not productive you know you're not profitable um so there there are better ways to do things yeah yeah for sure and um yeah, and I think that if you have, um, you know, I'm I'm a big fan of the author Daniel Pink. Um, he's got this book called Drive, which I I, I really love, and and um, you know, it's about motivation, and he he talks about things that are, you know, a little more, um, you know, a little more high minded. I think you know he talks about being connected to a purpose, having autonomy, gaining mastery of your skills, and he talks about how. Um, you know, money incentives, he actually says that money incentives don't work. However, he, there's a little caveat that kind of, I think, you know, it's easy to look over this one statement and think, oh, money incentives don't work. He says money incentives actually work great when the task is mechanical, when it's very much do this, then that, right? And it's when it's knowledge work that those other things um, take into place. But mechanical stuff, um, he says that money incentives, uh, you know, actually work quite well, which, you know, painting is, is still fairly mechanical. It's, you know, you, you do the work, you, you get the result, you, you get paid. So, so I'm curious how, um, how this needs to be presented, right? So if, if, if we, it's one thing to say, hey, we've got a bonus structure, um, and, and then, you know, kind of the person behind the curtain pull, pulling all the strings is running the numbers and then, you know, and then they give it on a, they give the bonus on a quarterly basis or an annual basis. That, that's one thing, but I, but I think that you have a different opinion on how this, how the, the yes. worker should be informed about uh, yes, how much money they're actually making. Yeah, I think the I think what you referred to, Pink, in the construct of extrinsic motivations and intrinsic motivations, you have yes, you have people who are intrinsically motivated. If you just look at your company today and you say who's your best worker, I promise you, your best worker has more intrinsic motivation to quality, productivity, work ethic, whatever you want to call it, than you're not best workers, right? Mm-hmm. That's great, and you want to go find as many of those people as you can. However, extrinsic motivations, which are those things that, you know, money being an example of that, I I want to, I want to get something that rewards me or avoid something that hurts me, extrinsic motivations. Those are, those are powerful motivators that you shouldn't dismiss just because they don't work in some cases. And, And he is right in that extrinsic motivations like money have limitations, but if you don't have that right, and I mean, right, as in you're living paycheck to paycheck, you need to pay the rent. I promise you that mm-hmm. the money matters a lot. Yeah. And we have found that you almost have to start there. We believe that then there are extrinsic things that evolve to intrinsic motivations, community, social uh, reward, um, training because I want to get better, non-monetary rewards. I want to save up points to mm. get something you know different. All those things are amazing after you solve the first part of am I rewarded correctly so I can take care of myself, my family, my life. Yeah. Then add the other pieces to it. As far as yes, I'm that's second. yeah, that's what if I can jump in, he he also yeah. mentions that if the uh if if the pay becomes unmoored from 
the from everything else, meaning that if uh, basically if they're not earning enough money to essentially have to no longer think about money, then you know <laughs> then that's that's the key is like they need to earn enough money in order to feel secure. A, a kind of a Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Like if if they can earn enough money to take care yes. of their base needs, then as a company we can progress and evolve to some of those things that uh, influence, uh, you know, work-life balance, um, job satisfaction, um, life satisfaction, uh, commitment to the company, retention, those kind of things. But if if you do those things, if you focus on those things and they're unmoored, meaning they're detached from can I feed my family, then none of those things matter. Couldn't agree more. There's, there's such a clear, obvious part of that because when you start talking to workers about we have a bonus program. You said, how do you launch this to a worker? Team, congratulations. We have a new bonus program. You guys are going to have a chance to earn more money on top of what you already earn by helping us get done jobs done right the first time and getting them done ahead of schedule. Super excited. We're actually going to show you on your phone every day exactly what your goals are for every job you're working on. And if you finish it, you do it right the first time, you're going to get paid on Friday every week the bonus money you've earned. We show them. We actually let them calculate on the phone using ProDiv what they think they can accomplish at the job. It's a 10-hour job. They think they can do it in eight hours. It lets them calculate what that's worth to them. It's a 150-hour job with a couple of guys. that Those guys can get together and say, I think we can finish this on Wednesday instead of Thursday. What's that worth to us? And see how much that's going to be on their paycheck. As soon as that job is approved, quality is good, customer signs off, it's approved that goes over as a bonus report to payroll on their next paycheck. All that arbitrary quarterly bonus, annual Christmas bonus, I bet a lot of folks listening to this have done those things and then wondered what they were paying for. But right. what, what did you buy with that? Your Yeah. What did you get for it? What was and did they know what it was for? Right. Yeah. That's that's the thing that I'm that I think of is like, do they um, do they know what they did throughout the week, uh, weeks and months in order to get that? Because, you know, I th I've, I've looked at a lot of systems where um, it's some type of a quarterly bonus attached to gross profit, GP. And when I, if I put myself in the shoes of the worker, um, I might not know what GP means. So... Yes trying to figure out what my bonus is based off of GP, uh, you know, that, that's a, that is a little tiny bit of a stretch. Um, it, it's just too, it's, it's kind of disconnected from the day-to-day -day activity, but I don't, with, I don't even control all of it. Like I don't control right. company GP as a worker that I, no. mean, I can influence it, but I don't control it. And I certainly don't know exactly what my behavior did to influence what I got paid. I want to right. connect what they do different on Tuesday to what they're paid different on Friday. And right. they should be aware of that every week. The, right. the trick is this is it's actually not 
hard to do at the micro level. It is, it gets really hard to do at the macro level. We, I will share with you, we talk to people all the time that have some type of piecework type bonus program in place. They're usually our best customers. They almost invariably will drop that system in the trash, their Excel file they've been using for two years yeah. and convert because to do this at scale and do it consistently is much more complicated. Someone, you have four people on a job and two of them work all week, but two of them only work half the week. Who gets how much of whatever right. earned bonus, right? How do you track it at a granular level? Maybe you send Bob over for one hour on a 150 hour job. Do you want to pay him bonus dollars on that? Or do you just want to count his hours towards the job? It's all kinds of control points that have to go in place to make this an effective program. You've right. probably seen people start ideas of compensation and bonus and rewards, but they never sustain. The goal of this, what we're trying to do is create something that's actually a sustainable every single week, every month, every year program that the team can then get used to, rely on, count on, use it in your recruiting, right. use it in your retention. We lead with this when we're hiring. It's, it's like this. Yeah. Because if someone culturally doesn't get this, if they doesn't, if they're not in, if they don't look at this type of program and say, "Wow, okay, I'm I like that," they might not fit in with the organization. You want someone who's right. got that little bit of confidence that I will earn more because I'm really good at what I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I remember when I built my first piece rate system. This is probably it's probably about five years ago at this point, and uh, that spreadsheet. Um, you know, I was really the only person who could figure it out you know i mean and that's and that's like that's how spreadsheets are like <laughs> the person the only person who could use a spreadsheet template is the person who built it but uh you know i just it was complicated and and i had to tweak it you know continually in order to make it fair and in order to make sure that you know that the company wasn't just paying out extra money on a job that it that it couldn't but then you had to have different skill levels and different, um, you know, yeah, definitely taking into account the, uh, how much time the person put in. Um, but it's still, um, in that iteration of my piece rate system, I think it still lacked a little bit of like actual productivity tracking. And cause there's, you know, one thing of like, okay, as a team, we got X done, but as an individual, how much? And, um, you know, that's part of, part of the, why I've used the point system now, because it solves for some of that. Um, but I think the main thing that I'm hearing here is that the ability to have a system that is kind of fixed, right? Because you could jack up a spreadsheet really fast just by, like, deleting the wrong cell, and then all of a sudden your formula is busted. Yeah. Uh, but, but with the, with uh, using a program dedicated for it, um, it's a little more plug and play. And if, yeah, if your team could just see what's going on, they have visibility to it. it, Administrative standpoint. Yeah. The administrative standpoint is crazy difference because we get people who come to us with those systems and usually their office managers, thank the Lord. Finally, I can get out from all the calculations I have to do to figure out what to pay everybody. Right. Software does it. Software does it instantly, quickly, don't have to think about it. Um, and essentially the workers fund their own bonus, which is a really 
cool thing. If you do this yeah. right, it doesn't cost you. You should be protecting your profit margin. And mm-hmm. so pay yourself first and then allow the company, allow those workers to earn as much. You know, if they can get it done in five minutes, more power to them. You know, like right. happy to pay you whatever that's worth because I've already managed my profit role by the way that I bid the job, by the way that I assign my labor costs, manage my materials. All those pieces should allow you to hit your, your GP numbers and your net profit numbers you're shooting for. And let your workers make more money. It's okay. We want to pay them more because that's how you get the best people. And take yeah. care of your team. They'll take care of you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So if we want to learn uh, more about the the software and the, the proto software, um, or just maybe even the, the yeah. you know, performance-based system in general, like where what are some resources? Yeah. What should we what should we do? Yeah, I've got the link, which I think we can post out to your team. We've got a little guide online. Um, sorry for the long link there, but essentially it's a, just a five-step guide to running a performance-based pay system. Not really specifically yeah. to our software. It's more about the important elements that go into doing this the right way, that's legally compliant, that is um, supportive of the worker, and it really enforces upon that communication side and the engagement with the employees on the field. And then second, obviously, Protip.com, you can go look at our website. We've got some videos on there that explain what we do. In the end, I, I think it, I encourage companies to look at hourly pay skeptically, to look at, I, I'm also a big believer in W-2 workers versus 1099. We made that transition with our own company, and it really pays huge dividends when you lean into the, to the relationship with your workers, build a great team culture, there's just things you can't do with 1099 subcontract models. As much as there are some advantages to that, I find that advantages to having a great team and a great culture simply better and more profitable in the long run and just a more enjoyable company to run. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. Michael, thank you so much for being on the show today. I appreciate your time. And, and I highly recommend checking out that guide, you guys. The, uh, the URL, it, it was a little long. So if you watch the video, press pause. Oh, he's promoting my book. Yeah. Promote <laughs> the book. Check it out. <laughs> um, you know, I, I recommend pausing the video and, um, and uh, just you know, typing in that link. Of course, you can go to Protip.com to yeah. check it out. Michael, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, thanks for what you do every day, man. Appreciate you very much. Have a great day. Appreciate it. You too. All right, there we go. Michael Fortenberry with Protiv. Uh, a really great conversation um, about the piece rate system versus, or performance pay, I should say, versus hourly and other forms out there. Um, I'm going to investigate this, you know, and, and, and see what see what's, what he's got. You know, I, I really am. And, uh, and I think that you should too. I have so many conversations. I mean, you know, you guys know how make it or break it these jobs are based on the labor. And I know that so many of you who have used employees in the past and paying them per hour and you look at the gross profit at the end of the job and you think, I, we're not making it. And, you know, part of it is, you know, realistically, you're probably just not charging enough. I, I, I went on a job, I bid, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago and uh, I, I ended up in a, in a bidding war. And uh, I mean, the, the, my competitors were charging less than half of what I was charging. 
and and they're like they want to grow their company, but it's there's not enough margin. So you know they just need to raise the price, and and the reality is that a lot of you do too, and and so start there. But the other piece of this, if you if you're doing you know the hourly employee thing and you're getting fed up with it, before you go to the subcontract model, and I know a lot of people like it. I know a lot of people you know uh, believe in its advantages, but you know, let's think about the worker here. Let's think about the guy who's got to put food on the table. Let's think about the fact that a lot of these guys that got to put food on the table, they're going to have a big fat tax bill uh, in a couple months here that they're not going to be able to pay. And you're going to lose them because they're just going to need to go find something that will take care of their taxes for them. Um, think about the guy who gets hurt, who uh, hasn't kept the, the workers' comp policy um, up to date and uh, it's been a while since you checked and so now he's hurt and he's coming to you because their their policy is out of, uh, was uh, was uh, canceled that's real that's real stuff um, think about the fact that if uh, if they if they fudge their numbers or they uh, you know they, they don't give you the, the the full you know inaccurate uh, uh, you know social security number um, that all of that payroll tax all that stuff, that's gonna come back to you. There's, there is massive risk um, in subcontracting. Um, not saying that it's, I'm not saying it's immoral, I'm not saying that it's illegal, uh, but what I am saying is that you gotta think about the worker, you gotta think about their livelihood. You are a business owner. If you're gonna be a business owner, be a business owner. You know, own up to it and, uh, and pay these people well. Uh, to me, this kind of hybrid hourly system with a performance-based pay that's very akin to a piece rate. It's very akin to what you're doing with the percentages and all of that. I think it's the right thing to do. I really do. I, I really think this is the right moral thing to do. So uh, I, I strongly encourage you to check out um, uh, the, the guide um, and definitely uh, try to connect with uh, Michael Fortenberry at uh, ProDiv. Um, if you want to uh, listen to this episode again or watch that video, uh, again, go down to PCA Overdrive and, and uh, download the app. It's $5.99 a month or free with membership. Um, I've also got some courses that I've been teaching. Um, if you go to craftsmanpainter.com backslash trade school, you can learn all about the, the um the sprint system that I that I talk about in my book, um, I'll teach you and your team directly. I also have a course that teaches the point system. Um, works really really well with uh, you know with with uh, pay for performance um, type things. So go check out uh, the trade school. And uh, I hope you guys go to Expo. Uh, be there. I'm not going to be there this year. I'm sorry. I I'm having a kid. You know, babies come first. But I'll be there next year. And you guys should go this year. I think you're going to have a really great time. I've looked at the speaker lineup. I've got a lot of uh, speakers coming on the show in the next couple of weeks. Um, so far, I think it's going to be a really, really good event. So make sure that you go and register at pcapainted.org backslash expo. Um, until next time, guys, my name is Torlando. Thank you for listening. And this has been Paint Ed. Paint Ed podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and are made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPainted.org.